Welcome back to another episode of Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in every space that you occupy. Hey, I'm one of the co-hosts here. I'm Conroy. We got Tony here. He's like Allstate. He's always on your side. He's also like the quarterback you need to win the high school championship. Right, Tony? I'm that guy. Yes, <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm always here. I got y'all. <laughs> oh man if you guys if you guys know tony i'm sure you know him at this point he is a very humble person so for him to say that is crazy anyways yeah, shout very. out to ms <laughs> msw media for having us on the podcast also uh take, take a look at our link tree we have some cool things we got merch um and we have a wonderful episode today and i don't think we should delay any so let's get right into it. let's go Guys, we got a wonderful episode today. We have Morgan Dominguez with us today. Guys, her her resume is 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 lengthy, so bear with us. She is a licensed mental health counselor and licensed professional counselor, BA from the University of Miami. Um, yes. she has a master's from the University of Hawaii in uh-huh. counseling, uh, psychology, specialized in clinical and mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a psycho therapist and clinical supervisor um and she deal uh she works with adults adolescents children groups couples and families dealing with anxiety depression trauma and relationship difficulty Woo! morgan welcome to the podcast <laughs> thanks for having me yeah i'm really excited to be here i'm so proud of you too for getting this going conroy i was saying earlier i just like love your energy and i feel like it's such an honor to be able to have me here to be able to talk a little bit about me <laughs> Yes, uh, we are excited. Um, guys, I Morgan comes to the gym. Um, <laughs> a lot of our guests we I, I get from the gym. But Morgan comes uh, to the gym and she's talking about my energy, but she comes with energy and she could have a long day, but you would never know because when she's in class, she's just having a good time. So I knew this would be a great, great guest. So you guys are in for it today. <laughs> Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) No, you know. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, Morgan, where did you grow up and what was your upbringing? Sure. So I actually grew up like 30 miles east of downtown. It's so funny because it was so far away from like LA. I didn't know till like after I graduated high school that it was still considered LA County. Um, So I would jump around between like visiting places in like Inland Empire and Orange County and of course LA County. Childhood, I grew up with the Barbie, so I'm super excited for the Barbie movie coming out. Um, Yeah, and so I am part of like a single parent like household, and so I was really close with mom and with grandparents. Um, I was an only child, and so I had really strong like relationships with them. And I think that's kind of part of why I'm so like extroverted is because I was always like I don't have siblings to play around with, so who's like down to hang out with? Um, And so very social, as you can imagine. Um, Yeah, and so I was a part of cheerleading growing up. My mom said, you know, we're going to call you Morgaphone because your voice is just like so loud. So put that voice to use. And so I love that. Yeah. So I did um, cheerleading all of high school for four years and then I did two years in college. Wow. Okay. so now I have another nickname. So in the gym, we call him Morganator, but now I got Morgaphone. Yes. (laughs) This is amazing. Um, And then, you know, you and I talked in the gym one time. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're mixed with a lot of different things, right? Yes. Okay. Can you, can you share with the people? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'll go through them all. I know it gets like, kind of complicated, but so I'm Spanish, Irish, Greek, French, Navajo, and Puerto Rican. Wonderful. Yeah. So yes. Long laundry list. A lot of boxes to check off. Of. 
<laughs> but it's so unfortunate because it's like I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. I'm like, oh, mom, what? And for the longest time, I thought it was Mexican. I'm like, mom, we're eating rice and beans. Is that not Mexican? Like, no. So, yeah, I do wish I was kind of like more in touch with my culture. But this is me. Mm. This is you. Um, so you, I mentioned earlier that you have, uh, a BA from Miami. What made you go from San Diego to Miami? Was that your first choice? Yeah. So I originally was thinking between like going to school, like in San Diego, because I had a really good friend. She was actually kind of like my role model also in cheerleading for high school. Um, and she went to SDSU. And so I was debating between like SDSU and then Miami kind of caught my eye. And then I was like, you know what? Let's make a leap of faith and go across the country and let's do it. Palm trees, beach. Love that. So I went for the jump. Was that a big culture shock? Like, because SoCal and like Miami yes. <laughs> are like very different. Yeah. Well, my hair definitely felt the difference, right? My hair got bigger from the humidity. <laughs> Yeah, I remember um, the first time when I went to um, the first semester for University of Miami, that was actually during like Hurricane Katrina. And so it was crazy that it kind of like went right past us and just straight up to like New Jersey. But we were still like on lockdown and like everything like going through the procedure. And I'm like, okay, like total, like we're no longer like in Kansas anymore, just because it's so different compared to like, say, like the earthquake drills that we're used to growing up in California. Man, I can only imagine like you leaving home. Yeah. <laughs> Going to Miami and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, lockdown because there's a hurricane. You're like, what yeah. do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And then people are having like hurricane parties. I'm like, are y'all crazy? Like, <laughs> like, I'm afraid. Like, what does this mean? What's going on? But yeah, so we were able to get through it. Definitely a huge culture shock in that degree. So talk to us about what inspired you to get into mental health. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the long journey. So it's interesting because um, I originally went to school for business. And so I remember like um, specifically senior year of high school watching like the wedding planner, you know, the one with Jennifer Lopez, because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. You know, I didn't really have those discussions. I'm like um, watching the movie. I saw like, OK, she kind of like looks like me. It's a Latina. Like she's a diva. And so it seems pretty cool. And so I'm like, OK, I went to the college advisor like what major is that? Then they told me it was going to be business management. So I went through with the business degree. And so I went to Miami, got the business management degree. And then I kind of realized that um, if I was going to go back to school, since I wasn't married necessarily, I didn't have kids, like now would be the time. And so I was like, oh, well, I really like the idea of like making that person's like perfect day and everything that they've been living for, right? Because I love love. Maybe that's like the Pisces side of me, the most romantic sign, the sign I like to say. Um, I said, what could be more perfect than that? And then I said, well, what if I actually tried to go back to school and learn more about like couples and how to like enhance the relationship and learn a little bit more so about how can we like just strengthen their emotional connection? And so then that's when I did kind of like a slight pivot. And then when I went to Hawaii, um, I learned that there were so many different ways to be able to help others outside of just their relationships. And then that's when I learned a little bit more so about depression and anxiety and trauma. And so I actually was um, EMDR trained this past year. And that's like a year long process, too, with consultations, um, just because that's also super rewarding to be able to see just the progress in people's lives, not only in enhancing their love lives, but also to be able to break through from the trauma. So you you clearly like palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego or SoCal to yeah. Miami to Hawaii, palm trees. Next is Bali or something. Yes. <laughs> I was actually thinking when we went remote, like, what would the time difference be for me to work in Bali and see clients? <laughs> so so talk to us about, you know, what 
what do you enjoy about EMDR and how have you seen EMDR work in your practice? Sure. Yeah. And so um, it's very different for clients because they're so used to say like the regular like talk therapy, um, but it's actually very different. It's a little bit more structured. And so I'll have like a training like manual and I'll actually go through and read the scripts and I'll be able to guide them. And so there's not so much me um, actually providing the same kind of like therapeutic space in terms of me maybe providing like insight um, it's a little bit more structured just because I don't want to derail from the body just going through and reprocessing like on its own. Um, and I've been able to see in my clients them to be able to feel like less like physical symptoms, because essentially um, what trauma is, is trauma is when you're trapped in a place you don't want to be in and your body remembers that. Right. And so when you think about just that siren going off, you don't think about like, okay, I'm here in my home and I feel safe and I'm calm. Um, You think about that time when you were in a car accident. And so your body kind of remembers that. So it's just retraining the adaptive networks and so that you're able to tie the two together so they know that they're safe. Mm, That's great. I know Tom's uh, getting excited about this one. Oh, yes, very <laughs> much so. Yeah, um, tell me about what you've learned a little bit, Tony, because I know you said that you're going through this track as well. Oh, yes, put him on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Conway to do that, not you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't learned specifically about EMDR, but um, I last year I read yeah. The Body Keeps a Score. Oh, that's and, a good one. Uh, after reading that book, I was very much intrigued with uh, EMDR, and yes. I'm hoping in the fall to start my own EMDR therapy, oh. uh, just because my philosophy is, like, I can't take my clients where I haven't gone, mm-hmm. and so I am hoping to get more into that, but I've heard a lot of great things around EMDR. Um, yes. This is just for me. What what does EMDR stand for, guys? Just for the non-mental health space guy. <laughs> Anybody who knows. Sure. So it's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So it's Perfect. basically your eyes um, are moving back and forth for that bilateral stimulation um, while you're also like thinking about that traumatic memory. Right. Yes. Yeah, she would know way more than I would. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a lot of clinicians that decide to go through with their own EMDR just to see how it feels like on the other end. Um, Actually, like in training, you practice with other clinicians. And so you originally like go, say, for instance, you want to work on um, like presentation anxiety. And then through EMDR, you realize that there's other stuff that's kind of linked to maybe feelings of like inadequacy that maybe you've experienced from like a bullying event back when you were like in in eighth grade. And so it's interesting how other things start to come up to have this like negative belief, like about yourself. And so this is a good way with EMDR for you to be able to tie the two of, um, it's one thing for you to like, fake it till you make it. Sometimes that's not enough. And so for clients to truly believe that they are capable, EMDR helps with that so that you are able to practice that self-compassion. Well, and, so good. and I think another thing with like EMDR, like it allows it allows clients not to just think, you know, I'm crazy for acting this way, but but gives them words to, like, I'm acting this way as a 30-year-old because mm-hmm. I'm really living into what happened to me when I was 14. Yes, yeah. yes. Because it is all linked, right? Because eventually 
you want to be able to retrace the original touchstone memory, which is the first memory that ingrained in your body and in your belief system that these some kind of negative belief. So whether it's like, I am not safe, I am not capable, right? I am not lovable, right? Or I am responsible for everything bad that's ever happened to me. Yes, man. I guys, I wish you could see her passion with when she talks about these things. Like, where did where did that where did that come from? I know you mentioned that like you love love, but like yes. what what I see right now is is passion for. It seems like it's like this art of the human brain and, and mm. emotions like that like where did that where do you where did that come from yeah yeah i know um it's interesting just to be able to go into different people's like lives something kind of similar as like you two are probably doing even through like the podcast to go into that person's world one step further and to be able to kind of see like all the different relationships and to be able to kind of see like maybe the negative self-talk and the different beliefs maybe the cultural like upbringing and to be able to see like that's how like their perspective of how they live life throughout the world and to be able to say what are different ways to be able to make that shift so that they are able to heal and be able to live out like more um, functional like behavior so that they are more aligned with their goals, right? And they're not kind of going through self-sabotaging or they're able to not beat themselves up over something that they did. That's a little bit more minor. Uh, I know it's interesting to think about like when I self-reflect to the root of where is all this passion coming from? Like, yes, you love love. Like where did it all come from? I think that's still a mystery. I think I still have to go through further like introspection, right? The passion um, and the love. And maybe it has to do with a little bit more so of this idea of maybe me wanting mom to have love within herself, right? And also to be able to find a partner growing up in a single parent. A little bit of vulnerability there. <laughs> yes. yes, love that. <laughs> um, so talk to us about what made you want to go into sex therapy specifically? Uh, yeah. So it's like the million dollar question, right? It's so interesting because I was working with couples and doing couples counseling. I want to say two to three years in, and then I don't know what it was. I had that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, throughout the time of my couples counseling, like through treatment, I did not once mention sex like at all. And it's like, duh, isn't that the reason like why they're together? There's like some kind of form of like attraction. And then I was able to kind of realize it through intro, um, introspection, like, I think it's just because growing up myself, it was just so taboo. Like, I don't even think I ever got like the birds and the bees talk like at all. And like growing up, I was always like a woman's woman. And so I would never have any guy friends. And even if I did, I would be, I guess, like afraid to tell my mom, which is interesting because I wouldn't want her to like think like this is going to be like leaning anywhere or even broaching the subject of sex. And so just kind of realizing that it's my own taboo and my own anxieties around speaking around sex where I'm like, I need to be more skilled on this. And also why is it that we're able to go through doing trauma work and talking about people's most horrific experience sexually going through sexual trauma, but we can't talk about their most pleasurable experience. Why wouldn't we want to enhance those pleasurable experiences and be able to break through some of those sexual traumas that they've had? throughout their lives and some of the shame. And so I said, okay, I need to get my butt into training and learn a little bit more about this because a lot of it really is just like myth busters of like, okay, what was told to you? What did you, where did you get this knowledge about sex? Who do you go to to even talk about that? Because if you can't talk about it in therapy, whether it's in a couple setting or an individual setting, then where are you talking to? Like it's kind of very isolating as you can imagine. Yeah. Do you so, think it was, I'll oh, go ahead, Tony. Um, I was going to ask what 
what would you say is the biggest misconception about sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think sex means intercourse. And I think through that idea, there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of performance anxiety because what happens if someone has vaginismus, right? Which means that there's any kind of pain or if there's like tightness in the vagina where it feels a little bit difficult to be able to have penetration. What happens if someone prefers like anal sex? What happens if someone prefers oral sex, like outer course? And so a lot of people just have this kind of narrow vision of like, if we're not able to have sex in this way, then it's not sex. When there's so many different ways to be able to connect sexually and sensually where it's all sex. And that's what it is. We want to be able to expand the horizon so that we don't feel like, oh man, like, well, I didn't get to it. Or I feel like I have to just do it out of duty where you're actually able to use pleasure as the measure. Pleasure. See, she, right, right. You're a poet I, and I heard that. Like, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you, um, did you, uh, because, you know, th- there's this big misconception uh-huh. or not. I don't even say misconception. It's just this thing that is drilled in the in the Christian community. Like Tony and I yes. are Christians and they drill like about like don't have sex before marriage. Uh-huh. And it's almost like you get drilled. There was like a an era where it was so much drilled in our lives that like yes. it almost seemed as this taboo thing. Yes. Um, was that your experience or was it just like. Like, is that why you didn't want to like tell your mom, like you weren't hanging, you were hanging out with just girl or like, what was, what made that? Like, I don't want to tell mom, like what made that happen? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause it just wasn't really talked about. My mom wasn't really too like religious, like at all. Um, and so I think one of the kind of driving messages that I had was I didn't want to be like another statistic of like having daddy issues or being one of those girls that again, being kind of like labeled as like being like a slut or a whore. And so I'm like, I just kind of like stayed away from like sexual intercourse, like altogether growing up. Right. Um, just because of like all of the shame and like the different labels that we're putting, that's just put like on everyone technically. Right. Because then what happens when you are just like an adolescent and you're like experiencing some feelings and you're not knowing like, okay, this feels good, but this is interesting. That feels good here, not there. Right. Or having certain thoughts as well. Yeah. So you obviously love what you do. Um, (laughs) Talk to us about some of the rewarding moments of your career. Yes. So um, some of the rewarding moments are being able to break away the shame from people and being able to normalize some of people's experiences, right? A lot of the times, especially going into the realm of like sex therapy, a lot of people come like saying like, I have this fetish, is this normal? Or I masturbate like three times a day, is that normal? Um, And being able to provide that psychoeducation of like, actually like this is normal, that this is healthy, Right. And to be able to break free and see that sense of relief of like, okay, gosh, I thought I was a sexual addict just because I masturbated like every day. It's like, no, that's just healthy. Right. And it's one thing to be able to have like a high um, libido and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And to be able to educate people, um, especially like women about the genitalia and being able to kind of break through about like why we want to be able to focus on the clitoris and why we want to be able to explore different ways to be able to get stimulated and how can take a little bit longer of time and how being able to engage in stress reducing activities is all going to be helpful for not only you, but for your partner and your experience together. There's just so much that's there and there's so many different realms of knowledge and so many different trainings to be able to branch off of like, how can we help people in this realm? 
And I think it's just rewarding to be able to kind of, like I said, you see it right in front of you, like in session of like, oh, okay. I'm no longer like going through this by myself. And maybe there's a little bit of grief of, you know, I thought I wasn't normal for so long. Right. When it's just a lot of it has just been some of the stories and just kind of like the burden of what's been going throughout several years of history of people being able to tell you like the myths of what is healthy or what you shouldn't, shouldn't do. So what is your, what is your favorite focus? Like I, I I listed like 40 things that you do because you do them all. What is like, (laughs) what do you, uh, how do I explain it? Not like what gets you going, but like what makes you, I guess you feel most successful and then what do you like enjoy like most about the whole, the whole mental health field? Yeah, I know. Cause there's so many different ways to feel that sense of um, success or like the aha moment. And yeah. so whether it has to go through like the trauma realm because it seems kind of very different. It's very um, intimate, right? It's very vulnerable. It gets very deep. Um, again, it's cause it's like a one-on-one like session versus some of the other sessions, especially kind of going through like with sex or talking about relationships, whether it's in, um, an individual setting or in a couple setting, it seems like I could be a little bit more lively. Right. Um, and it's really hard to say because they're both rewarding, like in their own ways, right. Because there's again, this essence of just being able to break free and just mm-hmm. be your true authentic self. Mm-hmm. No play on words. No pun on there. Um, okay, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Morgan. <clears throat> so, uh, Tony is married. Okay, and he has a kid. What What advice would you give him, coming from your perspective as a yes. couples therapist? Yes. Um, what advice would you give, just Tony, a married man with a kid? Um, just any any like little nugget. Ah. It's like the therapist in me wants to kind of go a little bit deeper and ask so many different <laughs> questions about. I'm you know, here for it. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So how long have you and your wife been married for? Uh, We've been married for seven years and we have a three-year-old. Seven right. years. Sorry. Sorry. I'll be a fly on the wall. I'll be a fly on the wall. Oh, yeah. I mean, you tell me your secret. That's a long time. What do you feel like your secret is? What do you mean? What's my secret? The making the relationship last. Um to constantly want to grow and be better love that and so grow within yourself and so there's that individuality right where you want to be able to also grow for your partner and grow for to be a father as well and yeah. so grow each different role of your life yes absolutely nice and how long you said married for seven years how did you two yes. meet? uh we met in college our freshman year and what was that like um How'd you two exactly meet? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because we both have very different stories. Okay. Um, we met mudsliding outside of my residence hall. Um, so I started a semester after her. Okay. And um, it was like first or second week. And there was these two girls that were like, Hey, it's going to rain tonight. We should go mudsliding. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, what? no, I won't do that. But I ended up doing it. And that's how we met. Love that. Conroy, did you see how he just kind of like lit up right now when he talked about like how they first met? That's yeah. one of my favorite parts, right? Because even though there's could be like a couple where they have so much resentment, you talk about when they first started to meet and what dating looked like at the beginning. And you just see like, oh, well. You know, he used to like just send me these love notes and I was playing hard to get. 
And then they kind of like laugh and like, no, he totally liked me because you would just be like walking around outside my dorm. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, wow. I love that you guys had a little mini session. I was part of it. This is great. Right. Yeah. It's great that there was also like that playfulness too. Right. Yeah. And that interaction of like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to throw my hands up. Like let's get muddy. And then I can see how that's when the chemistry started to kind of come up. Right. Between- yeah. Nice. I never knew that story, Tony. Yes. Thank yes. you for sharing. Now I know I how you guys so. met mudsliding. That I, I that was for one hundred percent not your idea. I know that now. No, <laughs> definitely not. Come on, bro. <laughs> Man, so Morgan, I'm I'm really curious now, and you don't have to go too much in detail if you want. It's authentic. Okay. Rest. Um, what is dating like for you since like uh-huh. you have all this like education? Like, is it so hard to turn off like? therapist and you're like oh no yes. just be normal just be normal <laughs> yes. or it's like you just immediately go into like work mode yeah I know especially those first dates it is kind of hard where it's like okay is this like an intake session it's like how do I <laughs> not start to kind of go through like family history so I know like what kind of genetics you're going to pass on um it's so funny because through like my friends like weddings um in all like my cards that I'm sending to them, like I always say something like, and remember, never take advice from your single friends. Meanwhile, I'm like a couples counselor and sex therapist. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely is like interesting to be able to kind of like meet people. Um, it is helpful for me to just kind of be more emerged in like Morgan's world because sometimes, and I think that's why I like love to like work out and I love to be able to talk with you and the energy that you bring for Orange Theory because I'm like able to be fully me. Right. And sometimes I always have to be kind of like that therapist version where I have to be very adaptable, just depending on like what the client is really like looking for. Like if they really need like a soft moment or if they need to really hold space and have things be more silent versus if there's is going to be a little bit more energy or if I'm having to really like interrupt to make sure people aren't going to say the D word divorce. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so it's very interesting. I definitely kind of use a little bit of like the therapy side to be able to use um, kind of as like a strength, just to be able to see like, what is this person's needs going to be? And what are my needs? And is this person going to be able to like meet my needs? Um, because of course, like no one's perfect, but we have to be able to say like, are they willing to like adjust and so that they are able to make sure that my cup is full and I'm able to make sure that their cup. So uh, I'm curious, you as you being single and being a couples therapist, what are some lessons that you've learned through your sessions? Yes. So definitely you have to be specific in terms of like what it is that you're like looking for and what is like the preference or like the request that you're making to your partner. And you want to talk about behaviors um, and you also want to be um, able to kind of like help your partner out because they're not mind readers. Right. Um, And so not this whole like, oh, yeah, you don't have to buy me anything or like, no, I'm not hungry. And then I'm eating your fries. Right. And then we get mad or like then I'm like upset because you didn't buy me anything for like Valentine's Day. And so we want to make sure that we're kind of being very communicative to your partner in terms of what it is that you're like seeking, what it is that you're needing um, sometimes. And one of the things that I do early on in my couples counseling is I say, um, you know, write down a behavioral list of components of your ideal relationship and like what that looks like. So sometimes clients would say like, I want a relationship where there's like loyalty, respect and trust and all that's great. Like we all want that, but how do we know when it's there, right? How do we know when it's present? 
Um, and so loyalty may mean that if there is some important piece of information that you're going to let me know in person before I hear it from other people. But sometimes it's like, well, I was waiting to tell you in person, but you know, I got caught up in traffic and then someone else told you. And so then I had to send it through text. And so see how there could be kind of like a miscommunication where it's like, we're both wanting the same thing, but both kind of differently. If I'm making any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm picking up all the game. This is, yeah. this is amazing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention love languages. That's huge too. Being aware of like your own love language and what is that love language of your partner. Do love languages change? Yeah, they can. Um, You see that a lot, especially say when um people start to have kids, right? Where maybe physical touch was the love language. Then I have a kid that's touching, touching, touching. Please don't touch me. <laughs> And then now it's actually acts of service, right? I would rather you take the kid and being able to babysit while I'm able to like relax and finally get away and take a shower rather than you like giving me a massage. And I'm kind of curious. I kind of want to go back to Tony, right? Just to be able to kind of (laughs) see. Love this. Um, That's exactly how my wife Uh is. It's don't touch me. Just do things for me. Ah. (laughs) Was it always like that? No. Before Clay, it was it's not like that. Yeah, because I wonder kind of like right now when you think about like your love language and your partner's love language, like before you had to, you had your, is it little Tony? Uh, Clay. Clay, Clay. So before like you had Clay, what was it like versus now in terms of like the love languages? Um, so for me, my love languages haven't changed. Um, I'm words of affirmation and wow. physical touch. And before Clay, um, my wife was physical touch and quality time. Okay. And now she's active service and quality time. Okay. Nice. And so were you able to make that transition or how did you guys get there? (laughs) Ah, it was, it was challenging. Um, it, it came with like a lot of frustration and not like understanding you used to love this and yeah. now you don't. And so just communicating. Yeah, definitely. And that's so huge. And a big bulk of the couples counseling is how are we going to be able to talk to one another? Right. Um, Just because especially right after having children, everyone's stressed out. Everyone's tired. They're hungry. They're cranky. We have to tend to the child. We're not going to be like our best versions of ourselves. And so how can we still not be reactive if we are noticing a tone and, or how can we be aware of our own body language and tone so that we're being a little bit softer when we're. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love this. I love that you're putting him on his box. I know know you do. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, Morgan, I did want to ask, how do you yes. balance work and life? And like, how do you leave work at work? Because I, what I do know is that you definitely love San Diego. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I know I've been just really enjoying that. I mean, finally, it's getting like hot right now to be able to like go to the beach. Um, But definitely I need to be outside whenever like the sun's out. I feel like I have kind of like FOMO and I'm actually joining like a kickball league. And so trying yes. to do active leagues i know i'm like <laughs> next thing you know i'll be joining you with like rugby now nah. oh, <laughs> she's yeah. coming for you bro <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so definitely love exercise. I want to get more into like hiking. Um, I'm one of those people that like love to like stop and smell the roses. And so whenever I see like sunsets or sunrises, I always just like stop to like really like soak it in. And that's a great way to be present. And so um, I'm trying to just, like I said, get outdoors a little bit more um, at home. It does help to have the kitties. And so I'm kind of breaking things up with them. Um, love spending time with family and friends, love traveling. And so that helps me again, kind of be more into like Morgan's world, right? Taking like the therapist hat off for a second. That's what you call it. Morgan's world. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. This is completely has nothing to do with the interview. I just want to know how your trip was in Ibiza. Oh my gosh. I know. Was that all Morgan's world? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talk about like sunsets. Uh, the sun would set. It would seem like forever. Like officially the sun's supposed to go down like at 9 PM, but it seems like it would start to set like at eight and then it wouldn't be like fully down until like 9 30. So I was like loving that. Cause that's like the time when you're starting to get ready for like going out in the night. Um, the water was amazing. It was so great to be able to like go to and listen to music as well. And it was definitely a bucket list item I've been wanting to go for a long time. I'm like, Vegas has trained me. And so, <laughs> so yeah, it was a cool spot. Well, I know. Vegas has trained you. That's a yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like a visa is like so intense. I think the clubs close at like 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Yeah. You know what? What's really cool is, I mean, obviously I see Morgan's world um, a lot, right? I, I think that's the only version I get of you, but to yeah. see you uh as the therapist is is really cool too and it's cool to see how you go hard for each and <laughs> i think that is a healthy way is that like a breakthrough that maybe you had to like you had to consciously make or mm -hmm. is that just how you've always been sure um yeah and just thinking about like how to really make sure that i'm not taking home kind of like my work even though i am technically working from home like how do i separate the two it definitely is helpful. The fact that right after I'm done with session, I'm able to, to leave because I need to be able to get out and to be able to socialize. And that helps to keep me like grounded. And it's a different type of socializing compared to someone be like, you're on calls all day. Isn't that socializing? No, it's not the same. Right. As you can imagine. Um, yeah. Some of the biggest breakthroughs in terms of my own personal mental health has been just the power of self-compassion, believing in yourself, having people there rooting for you as well. And just being able to persevere, even when you feel like you failed or it's tough times, how do you pick yourself back up? That emotional like resilience. I feel like that's definitely um, has taught me like a lot because there have been some tough times um, and just through whether it's kind of like talking through people and using my emotional support system, or even when it comes to like the stuff that I read that I like get trained on, I think it's helpful for myself as well, right. To be able to learn, um, how to be able to cope through the dark times, um, and to know that everything's going to, you mentioned something or a couple, uh, earlier, it was yes. the word you said introspective. Uh -huh. Um, how would you, uh, maybe encourage or, uh, guide somebody to start thinking, introspective because i think that is such a uh, great tool to have i feel like i do that but not as often as i want to because life yeah. is just so busy but okay. what is like a, a a tool an easy way or maybe things that you do to like really think internally yeah um first you have to just stop and slow down right you need to slow down check in with yourself make it more of like a routine 
Um, just to be able to, like you said, life gets really busy. There's a lot of like white noise that's going on. And to be able to think like, what is going on? What am I feeling physically and emotionally? And where do I think this is coming from? Um, is there something that maybe we are having a hard time um, just accepting, coming to terms? Are there things that we're like avoiding, right? Are we compartmentalizing for a reason? And just to be able to say like, is there anything that's going on like inside, right? And if we feel like, and you're able to have the privilege to go see a mental health professional, then you're able to have that support to be able to help guide you as well. Cause that is kind of like a gentle reminder of like, okay, this is my time. This is my space. What is it that's really truly going on here? Right. This whole interview's just been phenomenal. Oh. I love this. <laughs> um, but the last question before we transition to the next segment, what does it mean for you to be authentically you? Ah, it means being in Morgan's world, right? It means just being surrounded by the people I love and by the people that love me and being able to just be energetic and to be able to be determined and focused at the same time. And just this essence of self-acceptance and acceptance from others. Morgan's world. That just Morgan. sounds like a good TV show. <laughs> I'm like, what's so, the <laughs> world today? <laughs> yeah, and he, then he did a Disney sign. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh man well again this has been awesome um we do want to transition to our next segment which is called rapid fire bing, 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 bing. um morgan this is where we ask you three questions and Ooh. it's going to be the first thing that comes to mind don't pass okay. go don't ask poppy don't ask your cat um it's the first thing that comes to mind okay all right so this is a debatable question when you play uno and somebody lays down a draw two uh-oh do you stack and lay a draw two on top so the next person has to draw four? Or do you play that when you lay a draw two, you just got to draw two? Hmm, I feel like you just got to draw two. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I know. I haven't played Uno in a while. It's all, it's all house rules. Okay. <laughs> uh, Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Love coffee. I know. Just like yes. the richness and the sweetness. And I feel like that's actually like something that I like look forward to, like in the morning, oh, just to be able to start off listening to one of my trainings, almost like a podcast, have my like cappuccino. <laughs> um, yeah. What was the last movie that made you cry? Oh, oh my gosh. I feel like I haven't watched movies in forever. That is a good question. Hmm. Or show. Hmm. <laughs> I know. I feel like the shows that I watch are like psychological thrillers a little bit, or <laughs> maybe some of the reality TV. And so I'm trying to think of like, the last time I cried, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay. We yeah. we finally stumped somebody, Tony. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Morgan, this has been an amazing um episode. We're so grateful that you could educate us, do a little do a little of uh, work with Tony. I was amazing. Um, but where can people find you and what do you have going next? Sure. Um and so I'm going to continue to work on the certification for the sex therapist. Um, so I should be fully certified by fall. And so I could provide like resources in terms of where to find them. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> this is an amazing episode. Again, hey, um, we'll link uh, some things in our bio. But Morgan, until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Tony, I just love watching you when we have people who are in the mental health space as an occupation as because it's like you light up. Oh man, for sure. It's especially this, man. Like 
Morgan's way of, you know, just talking about sex in a way that, like, you can tell she does want to get rid of a stigma and normalize this conversation. Um, she's brilliant and, you know, she definitely has that energy and that passion that makes you want to lean in and know more. Yeah, the crazy thing is when I was talking to her about the podcast uh, prior, she was very nervous. But like you can see, she's very much a natural. She's a natural what she does. Um, I just love because the Morgan, the version of Morgan that I get when I see her at the gym and stuff is very much uh, the fun, playful Morgan. So to get her in like therapist Morgan was really cool for me to watch because like she's really good at what she does. And she's very passionate, does. And I think that's what, something that we can all... Yeah, this this could have been a whole hour session with me. And you would have loved every second of it. I love this being a fly on the wall. Because one, I just love when you're put in a spot. But two, <laughs> I just love learning. Like, there's something about the mental health space I just love learning about. Because it is, uh, it is a journey. And everybody's journey looks different. And I'm just curious to hear how she digs a little bit deeper into you and how you just open up because of the last questions. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to watch. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. But you guys know what time it is. It's the time of all times. It's the time for the friendship moment. The friendship yes, yes. moment. Because we are making moments. And you guys get to be on this journey with us because it is a journey. And I think, Tony, you have a friendship moment. I do. What is your biggest fear? Wow. You know what's funny is um, I went to a youth camp once and my roommate, uh, I was a leader and the other leader in the room, he asked me that same question. Night one, like, bro, relax. It's night one. We got a whole weekend. Anyways, um, <laughs> I would say my biggest fear currently right now in 2023, we're in July currently. I don't know when we'll drop this, but I would say is the fear of not trying something that I believe that I can be good at. Um, I would say that's my fear right now. So right now, you guys don't know, I'm I am currently taking acting classes. So it's like the fear of like, oh, the what if. So I'm just gonna do it. And if I'm just not good at it, I'd rather just not be good at it, just not try. So I would say my fear right now is the fear of not trying and complacency. It's good. It's good. No regrets, right? No regrets. Tony got the question today. He's y'all. This has been another episode. Another great episode. Like y'all might have to watch this one, play this one back. Um, also, again, support us. We have a link tree where you can support us financially. Um, you can uh, purchase some merch. Um, and then we're also going to have a phone number that you can text us for some questions that we can answer on later episodes. But until next time, y'all, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.